Satan has all kind of tools. Watch this. It doesn't make any difference which tool he uses. Because right now the dark cloud is descending upon this speaker. When I look out in that abyss, I don't know what I see. Our patriotic movement will overcome this terrible deception. for joining us. I am your host, Billy Ray Parrish, and this is Imagine, if you will. If you ever watched or listened to the show on God's Gospel Radio Ministry, then you're familiar with the way we work. But if not, it's simple. We challenge you, the listener, to look at an issue from a biblical perspective. As a Christian, and this is a Christian show, we ask you to adhere to what God's Word says. This is the most important aspect for any believer. Over the last few months, I have been questioned about my support for Donald Trump. I have been asked, how can a Christian support a man like Donald Trump more over the last few months than at any point over the last four years? So we ask you to imagine, if you will, why a Christian would vote for Donald Trump. One of the most popular answers given to this response is there was not much of a choice. It was either or, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. Most people were probably ABC, anybody but Clinton, but that was not the case for me. In 2016, I did understand the skepticism and criticism of Trump's campaign because we had no idea how the man was going to govern. I was completely on board the Trump train. Never once did I think about abandoning it, but there is a long list of politicians who had made promises and did not live up to them. Purposely so, might I add. President Obama is just one example of this, and when we look at the rise of the Tea Party movement and some of the names that came out of it, we can see that the disgust with the political establishment was beginning to simmer even then. This disgust did not result in a President Romney, but I do believe that it did pave the way for Donald Trump. Yes, we were unhappy with Obama, but we needed the right guy in there, and Trump was it. And when we look at 2016, it's easy to see this. So it was obvious that so much was changing. People were literally mad and disgusted with the political establishment, as this establishment had done nothing but sell us out for so long. If they were given the opportunity to do so, they would have continued. Thankfully, though, they were denied that opportunity, and the fact that Trump did win the election speaks volumes about the attitude that Americans held towards the political establishment and, might I add, still hold towards that establishment. So imagine, if you will, a man like Donald Trump, who had never held political office once in his life at any level, takes on the political establishment that had so much stock into the transformation of America that they put two Bushes, a Clinton, and an Obama into office, and now their hopes hung on another Clinton, Hillary Clinton. So when Trump won the election, it was certainly a blow to the establishment. 
But Trump's election was not the first sign of this. And we can look across the pond with Britain voting out of the European Union. People were mad for many of the same reasons that Americans elected Donald Trump for. As we said, enough was enough. Unfortunately, they have yet to experience what they voted for, and this should make all Americans more thankful for the rights and freedoms that we do have. Again, I did understand the criticism of Trump during this period of time because he had been a Democrat for most of his life, so we did not truly know what to expect. It had to be in the back of our mind. Was he trying to sell us on something? Was he going to use the old bait-and-switch maneuver that so many politicians are known for? Or was it possible that he was sincere about what he was saying? Well, with his first term nearly complete, we have enough of a recipe to conclude that Trump was sincere about what he was saying. So there are many different reasons why a Christian would vote for Donald Trump, and I argue that there are many reasons why a Christian should vote for Donald Trump. However, if you conduct an internet search, you will find webpage after webpage and article after article dedicated to why a Christian should not vote for Trump. But please, do not be naive. Most, if not all of these resources are from the left. And most, if not all of these resources know very little about Christ, what he stands for, or even who the man is. So please, do not be naive. Alright, so now we come to the why. The reasons. The reasons why a Christian would vote for Donald Trump. First, it's important to point out that Trump is a winner and he's a leader. He's a great leader. This has been illustrated in the companies that he has ran and just about anything else that he's taken on. In 2016, Trump tapped into a voting block that had been overlooked for so long. He knew what he was doing despite so many saying that he did not have a clue. Trump truly knows about the art of the deal, and he is the great negotiator. If Reagan was the great communicator, and he was, it's easy to call Trump the great negotiator. So, I will negotiate with you, the listener, to imagine, if you will, a Christian case for re-electing Donald Trump as president in 2020. First, Donald Trump is decidedly pro-life. This should be the most important reason for every American, especially a Christian, as abortion is simply murder. You take something that exists and do away with it. There are far too many people who claim that certain lives matter, but why not a child's? I mean, simply, why not a child? Governor Ralph Northam of Virginia has declared that infanticide should be legal. Infanticide is the act where you take a living being, a child that's already been born, and if the mother doesn't want it, she can kill it. If you did that to a dog or any animal for the most part, you'd face jail time, but not with a child. President Reagan once said, I've noticed that everyone who is for abortion has already been born. It's that simple, folks. Joe Biden has repeatedly stated that abortion is a fundamental right for a woman. Of course, Biden has flipped back and forth on this issue depending on the generation and political environment that he found himself in. To be fair, Trump used to be pro-choice, but has grown and matured in his life and his beliefs, and his conversion is a very interesting one, which he told to the Christian Broadcast Network back in 2011. So President Trump's conversion story goes like this. His friend tells him a story about his wife being pregnant. They were married 
but he really didn't want the child. He remembers him crying while telling him the story. Long story short, they go ahead with the pregnancy and have the child. And Trump tells the story that the baby is the apple of his eye. He says that it's the greatest thing that ever happened to him. We need to hear more stories like this because it reminds us that children are the apple of our eye, that we are judged by the way we treat the least among us, and that includes children. When a nation can do away with its most innocent creature, a child, what does that say about our nation? On May 18th of 2019, President Trump wrote on Twitter, As most people know, and for those who would like to know, I am strongly pro-life with the three exceptions, rape, incest, and protecting the life of the mother, the same position taken by Ronald Reagan. President Reagan is often invoked into discussions like this because he is on the Mount Rushmore of presidents, because he accomplished a lot of great things. So it's not a surprise that President Trump would invoke Reagan's name. Protecting the life of the mother is a dangerous and slippery slope because there are more than 30,000 medical doctors in the United States that declare an abortion is never medically necessary to save the life of the mother. This is important to understand because the talking point has been used for far too long to advocate for abortion. In order to advance the cause of human life, then we must get rid of this talking point. And in order to have a logical discussion and reach a rational decision, we must abandon the false narrative that a mother's life can be saved with an abortion. All right, so for this program, we did conduct a lot of research. And the only way to properly provide an accurate answer to any question, especially one as important as this, why Christians should vote for Donald Trump, is to present an argument with facts, not emotion. When we did the research, we found many resources, including CNN, NPR, The Washington Post, The New York Times, and the Guttmacher Institute claiming that abortions are on the decline as a result of fewer pregnancies. While this may be the case, when we look at the numbers, we find that Planned Parenthood and its affiliates performed nearly half a million, or 345,672 to be exact, abortions from October 1st, 2017 to September 30th of 2018. This is a remarkable statistic, which does not reveal that abortions are on the decline. If that was the case, then this number would not be the highest ever reported in a single year, so something has to be up. Something doesn't, just doesn't add up. Let's end the abortion portion with some good news and that's that Americans continue to support pro-life policies. And while I'm not really big on polls, I do want to quote a recent Marist Knights of Columbus poll that does show that the majority of Americans, or 56%, believe abortion is a moral wrong. More than three in four Americans support restrictions on abortion. 63% of Americans do support a ban on abortion after 20 weeks of pregnancy. Here's a shining light. Even the majority of pro-choice Americans at 56% support banning abortion after 20 weeks of pregnancy. 6 in 10 Americans oppose using taxpayer money to fund abortion. 
and the majority of Americans at 52% believe that having an abortion does more harm than good in the long run in a woman's life. And we can look at the original Roe versus Wade girl, Norma McCorvey, to illustrate this point as by the end of her life, she had become pro-life and went around and telling the horrors of abortion. All right, so we're continuing to move on, and we're moving on pretty well, considering all the information that we do have to work with, as Trump has accomplished a lot of things in four years. These aren't just Trump's accomplishments. They're American accomplishments. One of the biggest accomplishments is looking out for American interest, as the Trump administration has worked toward reworking unfair trade agreements and imbalances. One of the promises kept is getting rid of NAFTA and replacing it with a more fair and better trade agreement called the USMCA or the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement. Estimations are in about the USMCA including great economic growth and a creation of 176,000 more jobs. The new pact will also add $68.2 billion to the United States economy and raise American wages. Who's not for that? A new trade deal between the United States and Japan has been agreed upon by President Trump and Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. The two like each other a lot as they play golf together quite a bit. And let's look at revising the United States and Korean Free Trade Agreement, or CORUS, K-O-R-U-S. The new agreement is more beneficial to the American workers. President Trump has also signed a new trade agreement with the European Union President, Jean-Claude Juncker, which strengthens and reforms the relationship between both parties. And let me say it again. President Trump is the great negotiator. He can negotiate trade agreements or anything, better than anybody else on earth. And for this, we are lucky to have him as our president, as the commander-in-chief. Now let's continue on with trade agreements because President Trump and China signed phase one of the new trade agreement between the two countries. And they did so on January 15th of 2020. But January 15th of 2020 is a significant date in American history because it not only saw the signing of the phase one of this new agreement, but it also saw Nancy Pelosi delivering articles of impeachment to the Senate. But it also saw the first person who would later test positive in the United States for the Chinese virus leave China and arrive in the United States later. These events are all connected together and it illustrates that, it, that this was an orchestrated maneuver by certain parties to derail President Trump, to stop President Trump, and they would do so by any means necessary. And more and more people are beginning to wake up despite the negative news coverage. So moving on from trade agreements to other bad deals, we see the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or TPP, that President Trump withdrew us from by being in sync with the United States military. We have been able to destroy ISIS, the caliphates and other terrorist organizations. President Trump has made America and the world safer by taking out major terrorist leaders. Just ask Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi and Qasim Soleimani. President Trump made a campaign promise to make Jerusalem Israel's capital city. 
But in winning and actually doing so, he fulfilled a promise that was made by other American presidents. But he also moved the United States Embassy there. He's held two historic summits with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, a move that most experts said would never happen. But it goes to show you what is possible when the CIA no longer controls the territory. And probably the most important move made to date, or at least one of the most important moves, is withdrawing the United States from the Iran nuclear agreement, which was a terrible agreement to be in. And in doing so, Trump instituted the toughest sanctions in history on Iran. You probably remember many of the foreign leaders coming in to meet with President Trump, not because they like him, but rather because they wanted him to stay in because they got rich for doing nothing. We footed the bill, and they did nothing, but thankfully we have a president that knew better, or at least respected the American people enough to get out of it. And before the unnecessary shutdown of most of the country because of the Chinese virus, Trump's economic policies led to new economic highs. The stock market set all-time highs and records by the day, and the job market was seeing unprecedented accomplishments despite the efforts of many to derail President Trump's economy. And even a time or two, President Barack Obama chimed in, including June 1st of 2016, during an interview with PBS's NewsHour, asking what magic wand do you have in, re in reference to bringing the jobs back? Now, the answer to this question is simple. Trump has a backbone. That's obvious. But he also possesses a business sense that is matched by very few. And this is not just my opinion, but this is what data and statistics reveal. And this is the next portion of our discussion. All right, let's continue on with the good numbers about the economy. For example, as of January 2020, we see 7.3 million jobs created since Trump's inauguration. 2.1 million jobs alone in 2019. Of those 2.1 million jobs, 1.5 million of them were made up of women, which accounted for more than 50% of the total job growth or gain, which has never happened before in history. And more than 500,000 of these jobs were manufacturing jobs. On October 17, 2012, Jacob Goldstein told Nashville Public Radio that manufacturing jobs aren't coming back no matter who's president. And the job growth or the lack thereof in the stagnant economy, according to Barack Obama, was the new normal for America, perhaps before Donald Trump stepped in. And when he did, the high unemployment rate dropped to 3.5%, a 50-year low. And during 2018, measured from the fourth quarter of 2017 to the fourth quarter of 2018, real GDP increased 3.1%. The Bureau of Economic Analysis, or the BEA, states that this market, or this marked the fastest fourth quarter to fourth quarter growth since 2005. And if the Obama trend had continued, then growth would have remained at only 2%. For 2017 and 2018, and analytics and estimates reveal that due to President Trump's policies, economic output was $280 billion larger than it would have been. 
So when the Democrats and the left try to convince you that the economy is not as good as President Trump says it is, and the economy continues to hit unprecedented highs, ask yourself, why does Obama want to take credit for it? I mean, which is it? If the economy is so bad, then why does Obama try to take credit for it? Just think about it. Or, if you will, imagine, if you will. All right, so back to the unemployment rate, shall we? Donald Trump does understand the economy and his policies resonate with the American people. All races and both genders have benefited greatly from Trump's economy and the unemployment rate does reveal this. For example, as of January 2020, record low black unemployment rate at 5.9%, Asian unemployment rate at 2.5%, Hispanic unemployment rate at 4.2%, white unemployment rate at 3.5%, which is the lowest since 2000, adult women's unemployment rate 3.2%, the lowest since 1953, and we look at the unemployment rate in October 2018, stood at 3.7%, which was down from 4.1%, the year prior in October of 2017, you can find these statistics and others at U.S. Bureau Labor of Statistics or Labor Statistics, which only further reveals that Donald Trump understands the economy and that his policies resonate with the American people. Let's continue on with economics. I love economics. I love numbers, especially when we're talking about tax cuts. Massive tax cuts means more people have more money, and when more people have more money, then more people can do more things. It's that simple, but the left likes to spin this. They like to say that the tax cuts only went to the top 1% or large corporations, when in reality the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act passed by Congress was the first reform signed in 30 years and was just one reason for the American economic comeback. As of 2018, we saw $5.5 trillion in gross tax cuts, of which nearly 60% went to families. To families, might I add you, families, not large corporations or the 1%. On average, more than $2,000 was received by a family of four with an income of $75,000. And at this point in time, nominal wage growth had reached at or above 3% for eight straight months. As a result of these tax cuts, more than 6 million workers received pay raises, bonuses, or increased retirement contributions. Again, this is not small change. This is not chump change. These are not small acts. And for the first time, we saw 12 straight months where there were more job openings than job seekers. All of these things are important. And something to think about is this, that for eight years, it was President Bush's fault for the lack of growth in the stagnant economy under President Obama. Never once did the Obama administration reach growth anywhere near this high for any four quarters of any one calendar year. Former Treasury Secretary Larry Sumners in 2017 summed up the left's perspective. Apparently, the budget forecasts that U.S. economic growth will rise to 3% because of the administration's policies, largely its tax cuts and perhaps also its regulatory policies. He sums it up like this. 
Fair enough if you believe in tooth fairies and ludicrous supply side economics. End quote. It's got nothing to do with tooth fairies or supply side economics. It's got everything to do with if you take the foot off of the throat of the businessman, they can do more. They will give more out. They're the ones with the jobs. If you allow them to give out more jobs, they will. If they have more money to give out, they're willing to give out more money. However, when you strangle them with regulations and restrictions, as the Obama administration did, then you see small growth, high unemployment, and a stagnant economy. It's that simple. And I want you to remind you that all of this is hard data. Not some information brought to you by a tooth fairy. So make up your own mind. Please do not be naive and listen to the left. Keeping America first is something that Donald Trump ran on during the 2016 campaign, which is important for all Americans, particularly Christians, as prior to Trump, our religious freedoms had come under great attack. We were criticized and scrutinized from many angles. As Christians, we cannot forget about the fight that Donald Trump has put up in protecting our religious freedoms. His administration updated the federal guidelines regarding protected prayer and religious expression in public schools, which had not been done since 2003. No surprise there. The guideline provides the most current and up-to-date information to both educational providers and students concerning prayer in public schools. One of my favorite moves is directed at educational agencies directly. In order for these educational agencies to receive federal funds, local agencies must confirm that their policies do not in any way hinder, prevent, or interfere with the constitutionally protected rights outlined in the guideline, as well as issued to us by our founding fathers found in the founding documents. The administration also issued nine proposed rules to protect religious organizations from unfair and unequal treatment by the federal government. And yes, in 2020, we're still seeing unfair and unequal treatment by the federal government to religious organizations, particularly Christian ones. The rules would also eliminate Obama-era policies and restrictions that unfairly impose unique regulatory burdens only on religious organizations. And we cannot forget that during his first year in office, President Trump signed an executive order that upholds the right for religious speech, which was issued on May 4th of 2017. In just a few short years, Donald Trump did more for religious people than the past four presidents did combined. So this makes you wonder, and it makes me think, how could anyone not vote for Donald Trump, especially if they're a religious person? Friends, I thank you so much for being here with me today. It has been an honor to bring this program to you. This is the first of many Imagine, if you will, podcasts to come your way. I do thank you for your time. An average lifetime is about 75 years, according to the numbers, give or take, male or female, however you want to look at it. So if we go back 75 years, let's not go back over 200 years, but let's just go back 75 years. This is the most important election 
in our lifetimes. This is the most important election in 75 years. We have to take this seriously. The reason why I wanted to do this program and the reason why I jumped at it is to show people that as Christians, we do have a choice. It's not either or. It's not the lesser of the two evils. This is right versus wrong. This is good versus evil. It's not left versus right, although it is left versus right. It's right versus wrong. The left side is the wrong side. The right side is on the right side of history this time. So please take this seriously. I know there's a lot of information in this program, in this podcast, but we need to go through all of it and understand what we are dealing with. In four years, President Trump accomplished more than the last four presidents combined. I'm not talking about just with religious liberties, but in every other facet. We're talking about pro-life. He's the first president to attend, or the first sitting president to attend, the March for Life rally. This is important. When a president says they are for something, you don't judge them on what they say, but what they do. President Trump has acted. He has led. This should be important to all Christians, regardless of your skin color. They want to divide us by race. But Trump has accomplished something that no other president has ever accomplished and that he's done for all people what he said he would do. He didn't divide us. He brought us together. The Bible says that a house divided against itself cannot stand. It will be brought to desolation. They understand this. Although they don't believe in Scripture, the enemy does not believe in Scripture. They understand that if we are divided, we cannot stand together, which is why we must stand together, united as one, as one people, as one country, and do this together. A Christian nation needs a Christian leader, which is why the only option for us is Donald Trump. He may not be your first one, your first choice, but he is the only choice in this election. So, friends, thank you for joining me. This is Billy Ray Parrish for Imagine If You Will, a part of God's Gospel Radio Ministry. I thank you for joining me. And until next time, stay safe. And as always, God bless. And God bless America. The free world must embrace its national foundations. It must not attempt to erase them or replace them. Looking around and all over this large, magnificent planet, the truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. And if you want peace, love your nation. Wise leaders always put the good of their own people and their own country first. The future does not belong to globalists. The future belongs to patriots.